Hello, Anne Hawley here, your Roundtable podcast co-producer and editor, with a preview of what's in store for season five. Last season, we each examined a single story principle in depth. We looked at narrative drive, action conventions, dialogue, internal genres, and complex story structures. This season, we're going to double down on the format and pick five new story topics to study. Stick around and we'll tell you what they are. The idea is to continue leveling up our craft in ways that will help us be better writers and editors, and we hope our Season 5 episodes will help you do the same. Every season, we get a question or two about why we study movies when our listeners are by and large not screenwriters but novelists. The short answer is that movies are faster than novels, and they allow us to study global story structure in a convenient two-hour form. But I'm a novelist, too, and the question of what a novel is and how I can understand it separately from filmed story has become more and more important to me. Over the history of this podcast, almost 40% of the movies we've analyzed were based on novels or short stories or novellas. I've put a list of all of them in the show notes. Some of those stories I had read, many I hadn't and still haven't. So, for season five, I'm tackling the issue head on. I propose to read three novels that have been adapted to film. I'll have the team watch the films, but I'll invite them and the audience to check out the novels as well, because as Sean Coyne has said to his group of writers and editors, you are not well read enough. I want to explore the differences between novels and movies. Why do screen adaptations change so many things in the novel that they're based on? What did the novel do better? Why do screen adaptations so frequently disappoint fans of the novel they're based on? My aim is to figure out what a novel is for in this age of endless filmed entertainment. Is there still a place for written stories? Is reading still relevant at all? I want to believe that novels are still a joy of their own a distinct and separate art form worth pursuing. For season five, my first pitch is one of my favorite novels, Frances Hodgson Burnett's 1905 classic, A Little Princess. I am a princess. All girls are. Even if they live in tiny old attics, even if they dress in rags, even if they aren't pretty or smart or young, They're still princesses, all of us. Didn't your father ever tell you that? Didn't he? If I find you up here with any of the girls again, I will throw you out into the street! We'll be viewing the 1995 film version of the same name, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. I hope you'll join me and my fellow roundtablers, Jari, Kim, Leslie, and Valerie, for Season 5, Episode 1, A Little Princess. It goes live on June 12, 2019. See you then! Hello, intrepid story adventurers! It's Leslie Watts here, and I'm really excited about my topic for Season 5. Last season, I studied action subgenre conventions, and that only served to whet my appetite. 
my original goal for season five was to focus on the obligatory scenes for action stories and how they pay off the promises made by those conventions. But I struggled with my film choices. There are so many amazing action films to choose from, and I got stuck on those options. But I didn't give up. I watched Thor Ragnarok and uncovered the answer to my conundrum. Since excitement is the core emotion of an action story, that is the feeling we most want the reader to experience, I realized I should choose the films that are off the charts on that score for me. So this season I'm sticking with action stories, but I'm going epic because they're the ones that excite me the most. Action stories that are complex in conflict and epic in scope, if not always in subgenre. We're talking about multiple subplots, expansive settings, and big casts of characters, like the Marvel Universe films, The Lord of the Rings, and The Expanse, as well as a series you might have heard of, A Song of Ice and Fire. My question this season will be, how do we tell an epic story with lots of moving parts without making a muddle of it? And I'll balance my passion for these stories and ground my inquiry in structure the obligatory scenes, and the 15 key scenes. I can't wait to dig into season five and share what I discover about epic action stories. Oh, yuck. Still someone's hair and blood all over this. Guys, can you clean up the weapons once you've finished your fight? Disgusting slobs. Oh, thought. Want to use a big wooden fork? No. Yeah, not really useful unless you're fighting off three vampires that were huddled together. Oh, I really wish I had my hammer. Your hammer? Quite unique. It was made from this, this special metal from the heart of the dying star. And when I spun it really, really fast, it gave me the ability to fly. You rode a hammer? No, I, I didn't ride the hammer. The hammer rode you on your back? No, no, no. I, I used to spin it really fast, and it, it, would, it would pull me off the... Oh, my God. The hammer pulled you off? The ground. It would pull me off the ground, up into the air, and I would fly. Every time I threw it, it would always come back to me. Sounds like you had a pretty special and intimate relationship with this hammer and that losing it was almost comparable to losing a loved one. It's a nice way of putting it. Thor Ragnarok will be featured in episode two and we'll post it on June 19. See you then. Hey everyone, this is Jari Bolander. For season five, I'm going to be looking at, of all things, a love story. Specifically, love stories that were also novels. I'm doing this because I'm writing a memoir about a particularly hard part of my life, and everyone I've talked to has told me that what I'm really writing is a love story. Well, why look at love stories for memoirs? Well, love stories naturally have a baked-in worldview maturation internal genre at least the ones I'm going to be looking at. And memoirs are heavy on the internal genre, focus on a particular external event or situation that focuses the story. And so with a memoir, what I've found is that even though there is some internal struggle, the challenge is not only doing the maturation of your worldview through memoir, but having a through line of a story that actually gets people engaged and that would be the external genre. So that's the reason why I'm looking at it. 
it's real important for me to make something that works. And a lot of people start off writing novels. And then as you dig in, it's like, oh, this is really about your life. You're just making this novel about your life in some way. And then you try to take what's real and make it fiction. And it's just real struggle. And I've had this struggle for, for a while trying to figure out there's certain things I remember, certain things I don't remember. How do I make something that works? And I think the best way for me is to study a love story, which is what the through line of my memoir is about, and how that will capture the reader. And then obviously the maturation throughout the whole thing. The other thing that I'm going to be doing is I'm really going to look to see how I can take these real world experiences and make them a little more interesting. Now, with memoir, some of the dialogue, obviously you don't remember it word for word, but the intent and the character voice is what has to come through. So it has to be plausible. Love stories are all about delivering the goods. And they do that because we all universally want love. So for my first movie, I'll be looking at the 1995 film Sense and Sensibility, which was directed by Ang Lee with a screenplay by Emma Thompson. And of course, the original novel was by Jane Austen. Then you are not married. No. Eleanor, I met Lucy when I was very young. Had I had an active profession, I should never have felt such an idle, a foolish inclination. My behavior at Norland was very wrong. But I convinced myself that you felt any friendship for me. And that it was my heart alone that I was risking. I've come here with no expectations. Only to profess now that I am at liberty to do so that my heart is and always will be yours. That's my first movie. Looking forward to taking a look at it. Can't wait to actually share my other two, which I hope will give you something to think about. Thanks. I had a blast studying global internal genre stories in season four, specifically the kinds of stories I want to tell as a writer. That journey will be continuing off the air, so if you're into that sort of thing, drop me a line. This season, I want to dig into something every writer will have to deal with, a story that doesn't work. As editors, this is our primary role, diagnosing why a story doesn't work and prescribing a treatment plan. As StoryGrid editors, we have the best tools on the planet for the job, the first of which is the editor's six core questions. These questions are the foundation for understanding what a story is made of. We covered these questions in depth in season one and two, but this time I'll use them as a jumping off point to identify the primary reason a story isn't working. From there, I'll grab another StoryGrid tool to dig deeper. Then, after listening to the observations of my fellow editors, I'll prescribe my recommended editorial treatment plan. By the end of the episode, and by the end of the season, we'll have some excellent case studies for how to use StoryGrid tools to identify why a story isn't working, 
which will hopefully translate to all of us finding the next right step for revisions for our stories. The first film I'm going to examine is the 2015 intergalactic action story, Jupiter Ascending. It stars Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, Sean Bean, and Eddie Redmayne. You've been taught that the birthplace of the human race is Earth, but it's not. Do you know what this will do to people when they find out the truth? I don't think that most people would want to know the truth. I do. Your planet was seeded by a brass axe industries roughly 100,000 years ago. It's one of the most powerful dynasties in the universe. There are three primary heirs. The oldest is Belem. He's the one that controls this planet and wants you dead. Hey! I am telling you, I am nobody. You are royalty. What about the girl? Still alive. Bring her to me. It's written, produced, and directed by the Wachowskis. These are the same writers that brought us The Matrix and V for Vendetta, two stories that I consider pillars of my personal storytelling canon, and ones that my husband and I watch together again and again. They contain tons of stuff we both love. Strong female characters, a rock and reality genre leaf with dystopian futures and science fiction and fantasy rules, and villains that you love to hate. So I was set up to love this story, but I didn't. It fell flat for me. And if you've listened to me on the roundtable for any amount of time, I can usually find something to like about every story. But even when there are aspects of a story I like, there's still no denying when it doesn't work. So scrub in with me for season five as we do some exploratory surgery and see the story grid tools in action. It's going to be great. Here we go. Hello everyone, it's Valerie. As many of you know, in addition to being an editor, I'm also an author. In season four of the podcast, I did a deep dive into narrative drive because that was a problem I was having with my latest novel. Well, in season five, I'm tackling another issue I'm having with that same project. The story idea I have is giving me an opportunity to branch out into a whole new genre, but it took me months and I do mean months, to figure out what that genre was. Was I writing a thrilling horror or a horrifying thriller? Because there is a difference, right? It turns out that I'm writing a horrifying thriller, a psychological thriller to be exact. The challenge I'm facing is that I don't know a whole lot about that genre. Sure, I've watched some movies and you know I've read some books, but that was all before StoryGrid entered my life. I wasn't consuming stories actively then, so I wasn't learning things that I could carry forward into my own work. One of the questions I get asked most often by clients and writers is, what is a masterwork? And then that's usually followed up by, why do I need to study a masterwork? Well, this season, I'm going to walk you through the process that I used to figure out my genre. And then, with the help of my four colleagues, I'm going to show you how to pull a genre apart and learn what makes it tick. We'll start with the 1996 film Primal Fear, starring Richard Gere, with a screenplay by Steve Shagan and Ann Biderman, based on the novel by William Deal. 
He forced you using a threat of expulsion from Savior House and a life on the street with no heat and no water and no food. He put you in front of a camera. He made you take off your clothes and you don't think that that's another side? Another face of a man that we all thought no, we knew? No. Do you know what I would do if someone did that to me? I would kill him. I wouldn't hesitate. No. I would stab him 78 times with a butcher knife. I would chop off his fingers. I would slash his throat open. I would carve numbers into his chest. I would gouge out his eyes. I swear to God. But that's me. I picked this film because it's the example of a psychological thriller that Sean gives in the story grid, What Good Editors Know. So that seems like as good a place as any to start. If you've been struggling to figure out your genre or to find a masterwork, or if you're wondering why on earth studying masterworks is even necessary, tune in to season five of the Story Grid Editor Roundtable podcast. The Primal Fear episode airs June 26th. I'll see you then.